Welcome to Short Course, episode 120, for December 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I was thinking I might end up taking this week off and uh, have a little bit of a Christmas break, and instead, this has been an exceedingly eventful week for USPSA, uh, the culmination of a lot of things that have been in motion for a long time, but we will get to that. Monday of this week was the second board meeting that I was included on, and so I got to attend that as an observer, although as we'll get to later, the most eventful stuff I was not there for, but we will, I'll do a a quick overview of the things that I was there for uh, and just talk about how the meeting went, and then we will get into the substance of the removal of Scott Arnberg as area director and the impact that that's having on the sport right now. So I was invited to this meeting. Yimin was also there, I guess, since now he's been, they voted at the last meeting to allow him to serve. He and I were both there as guests, but we were excused four separate times. There was a presentation from John Scouten from, of Shooting USA for about 45 minutes that apparently had some financial numbers in it, and so therefore we weren't allowed to see it, even though literally two weeks from now we'll be on the board. There was, we were kicked out for the managing director's report, again, because there was apparently some financial information there. We were again kicked out for a discussion about the president's compensation, which there, there's actually, you know, arguably that's an employee matter that that isn't really something of general interest. It was, it was about his specific compensation. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, if there is some, there was apparently some California law that came into play. I'll need to be back briefed on that to know going forward, what laws we need to comply with, but fine. That, that one is an employee matter. And the fourth one, which was added at the beginning of the agenda was some kind of report about the leak investigation. And I'll be honest, it did not occur to me that that's what they would use to, at the very end of the meeting, kick Scott out. And in fact, I didn't realize until we got off the meeting that that Scott had been kicked out from the meeting. I thought he just ended up leaving early, but uh, we'll come back to that. So yeah, a number of a number of things on the agenda that I wasn't there for. Troy was still there on the meeting. So whatever discipline was voted on. uh, So again, a week prior to this, there was a as I, as I mentioned briefly at the beginning of, of the last episode, there was a special meeting called to discuss the incident between Troy and Mark Stamper at PCC Open Nationals, which will come up later, about and about basically what the discipline for Troy would be. And there was some vote, six to three, and whatever it was, he was he was still on this meeting. So no more no more details about what was actually done in response to that incident. No idea what uh, will potentially dissuade him from doing that in the future. So, you know, staff nationals at your discretion with that in mind. The discussions that I was there for, so there was one about the intent to, they, they took a vote, even though the vote meant nothing, but the vote said that they intend to waive 10.2 at each future meeting to waive confidentiality and live stream the meeting. There was some discussion around executive session, and they said, "Yeah, we'll just we'll just send the live stream to a to a blank screen, so you guys will basically have the same experience I have." Uh, but again, the the vote was meaningless. You can only vote to waive ten dot two in that particular meeting. So I don't even know why we spent as much time as we did in this meeting discussing it. Except, I guess, well, I mean, the the hypocrisy of it that'll become obvious when 
they try and say, oh, you know, confidentiality isn't that important. But at the same time, we're going to boot Scott for violating confidentiality. We'll we'll get to that. But so there was some discussion of that. I, I mean, my my personal opinion is I don't know that it needs to be live streamed per se, uh, but certainly being recorded and, and posted for review is is enough. I mean, I don't, but I, I mean, I don't have a problem with the live stream, but I can imagine people watching the live stream and, you know, real time trying to text or email or, you know, have their have their voice heard. So I think everybody will just have to put their phone on silent because if people are watching the live stream and they're you know trying to call or text or whatever, that'll might cause issues. It might not. We'll see. Again, I'm not I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm, I, I think we should give it a try and see how it goes. But certainly having I think, though, if it, if we had to choose between having it available in real time and having a complete recording available, certainly the, the the side effect of the live stream being that we'll have a complete recording available afterward gets more done. But anyway, uh, there was also discussion about this membership referral program, which has apparently come up many, many times before. And the idea is once this is implemented sometime in the second quarter of next year, members, when they sign up for USPSA membership, will be able to pick which club convince them to join. And that club, for every member they do this to, will get five bucks off their affiliation or classifier fees. And the discussion around this was basically saying, well, you know, now now match directors will have skin in the game to go out and 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 encourage people to join and become members. And I mean, I don't know how it works at, at other clubs. Most of the gun clubs around here, the match director doesn't really get paid. And so if the club saves five bucks, it's not like it goes in the match director's pocket. It's just going to be money that instead of going to USPSA will be a discount that goes to the gun club or whoever, you know, keeps the money. I mean, the way that's the way. The match that I run works. I, I don't see a dime of it. The all the money goes to the club. Or it goes to the the range that's hosting it. So uh, this this seems like a way to reduce USPSA's revenue and give more money to people who won't be incentivized by actually receiving that money. But that's just my take on it. I didn't. I wasn't asked. I didn't get a vote. So it, it is interesting to see that rather than reducing expenses, the board is currently engaged in reducing revenue, which seems kind of counterintuitive but here we are there was also a discussion around around posting the actual expenses how much each area director and president expenses to the company to, to the organization each year which i think is good I, I think it's the members money it's they should know where it's going so i i am glad that it was brought up i'm glad that they voted to allow it and i look forward to people being able to see how much each area director is, is is traveling on their dime and you know what they're using it for so i think this kind of transparency is actual transparency and that was when the agenda item about the leaks came up and you men and i were were kicked to the zoom waiting room for about 45 minutes and like i said when we came back scott was gone but you know maybe i should have been more paranoid i just figured you know it was late where he was he had to go he couldn't be here for for the last agenda item, which was which was production fifteen, so there was some there was I think about twenty minutes of discussion of that. This was the the one time when when I was asked to speak, and what I told the board was, I think yes, there are a lot of existing production shooters who would like to keep it at ten, but by definition, those are the folks who have stayed in the division, and I think if we keep it at ten, those people will be satisfied and will continue to see the the division slowly dwindle and very little interest of people coming into the sport. And when I say that, I don't mean people shooting their first match because at the end of the day, trying to create a division that's particularly friendly for, for newbies is it's self-defeating. You, you don't know how to shoot USPSA when you shoot your first match. So trying to place highly 
no matter the division is is a fool's errand. So I, I'm not I, I I'm not really one of these who thinks that production division needs to be the the, the newbie division. It is nice if someone can show up with a, a gun from the factory and just you know use their factory magazines and shoot the gun. But to me, the goal is it should also be a place where you can stay. It it, it if it can do both, that's great. But ideally, it should be a place where people can choose not to heavily modify their guns. Although obviously in production now you you still can do quite a bit. But to keep their guns relatively stock, shoot without trying to juice the capacity and just shoot cheap ammo with relatively stock guns and just compete heads up. So the, the, the point that I made to the board was, I think if we keep it where it is, it'll continue to slowly dwindle down to single stack and revolver type numbers. And that would be a shame to me. I think raising it to 15 at least gives it a chance of as shooters look for other divisions to jump to or new people come into the sport and are trying to choose where to stay not necessarily the match to shoot at their first match with you know the gear they already have but because inevitably when you get into the sport whatever you have you look and you say okay i'm going to buy something that fits the sport what should i buy and if they can buy a production gun and stay in production because that's where they want to be having that be a viable a more viable option i would like to see and i you know i do appreciate uh, Frank Rizzi, Area 7 director, who has many states. I think the majority of his, the states in, in his area have 10-round capacity limits. I do think we need to address how the rules handle that. I do think having classifiers that are 10-round friendly is important. I think having 331 interpreted in a way where it's clear how that should be handled in 10-round states is important. But I think we need to figure those things out in the interest of moving towards 15 rounds, which obviously we'll have to do since the since the vote did end up passing so that will be effective january 31st of next year and uh yeah production 15 i obviously this is something that's happening i only had tangential input on it but i i have to admit i'm excited for it I, i'm looking forward to, to to shooting that way and and shooting some more production so like i said that was discussed at the end of the meeting scott was gone i figured it was just late and he'd taken off early i found out later that he had been voted on under bylaw 77 and removed from the board. And what the minutes say is they conducted a forensic IT audit that gave a 99.8% chance, whatever that means, that Scott was the one leaking. The rumor is that the email that they somehow were able to to track him with was a, an email that was sent the day after the previous special meeting, so a week before this meeting, which is the same night that Bruce Gary announced his resignation, where Bruce Wells was saying that Matt Hopkins had texted him about how Bruce Wells should resign. And, you know, this is a clear sign that Hopkins has somehow violated the, the confidentiality of the meeting, even though Bruce Gary had sent the email out himself the previous night saying that he resigned. So what's interesting about this is there, there's some thought that it might have been, this was, this was possibly a trap. It was a plant. It was a way of sort of detecting the leak. And what's interesting is this is not the first time something like this has happened. If that was how it happened. I haven't talked about this because I didn't think it would really do any good before now, but Kyle Stevens did basically the same thing to me during the Area 6 election. So at the Area 6 match in the spring, he made an offhand comment to me about how 
headquarters could see while the Area 3 runoff, which was the one where Scott had had ended up winning over Kevin Collins, the, the Area 3 runoff, while it was running, some folks at headquarters could see who was ahead and who was likely to win. And he, made, he, he mentioned it in a very offhanded way, and I thought, that's an odd thing to say and to mention. And I didn't entirely trust it. I thought maybe, you know, does he know what he's talking about? And, and so I, I didn't mention it to anyone. And then it was that fall, the second week of September, when the runoff between Kyle Stevens and myself was going, that Practical Shooting Insights published something implying that headquarters could see the vote totals or they could see who was ahead in the election. I don't know where he got that information. It wasn't from me. But that was the thing that Mark Stamper had shared that caused Troy to come over and yell at him because Troy felt that Mark Stamper was was sharing this information that was not true. And for all I know, it probably isn't. For all I know, the the board, the staff can only see, say, how many how many ballots have actually been filled out. I don't actually know firsthand whether they can see the vote totals while the election is ongoing or not. I would imagine they shouldn't. That that seems like a weird thing for the election company to give them access to. But whether or not they can is, is sort of immaterial. What is interesting is Kyle in the spring planted that fact with me to see if I would leak it. And then when it got posted to Practical Shooting Insights and Mark Stamper shared it and Troy yelled at him for it. And then that turned into this whole storm around Troy. Kyle texts me saying, you know, how does it feel to be at the middle of a, of a shitstorm? And I had no idea what he was talking about. And that's when he basically, you know, unfurled this whole yarn about how he, he was convinced that I was the one who had told Derek about it because, you know, what are the odds that someone else would, would tell him the same story? And I, I just, I mean, obviously I, I can't prove to him anything, but it wasn't me, but it was interesting because Kyle used a term that I'd never heard before, which is apparently, you know, some spy movie thing called a canary trap where you plant information that's false, but when you see where it shows up, you can find out who's the weaker. And I, I don't know why Kyle texted this to me the week before the election closed. I guess he either figured he had it in the bag or he had nothing to to, to lose. But uh, this is clearly a, a tactic known to him, and so I mean, it, it's it's entirely plausible that that's how they what they did here, and they had some kind of tracking pixel or something in this email, so they. They knew when it was forwarded, who it was forwarded to. Anyway, I, I just, I, it was interesting that the same thing, that's, that's twice in a year that these, I mean, honestly, spy movie type tactics have, have come up. So what they alleged Scott had done and the reason they brought the seven, seven against him, which was, I, I don't know what the disposition of the whole polygraph thing was. I guess the theory was that that's how they were going to seven, seven him when he refused to take the polygraph. But According to the minutes, that didn't come up. So um, there has since been a screenshot going around. I don't know from what Facebook group, but it was something where Layton was saying that Scott failed the polygraph. I, when I talked to Scott a couple of weeks ago, Scott said under no circumstances would he be taking the polygraph. So I don't think he actually took it and failed it. I guess that to Layton is a failure. It's you know, well if you're not if if you're if you have something to hide, it might, you must be guilty of something. No, that's that's not how free men conduct themselves. So I, I guess by refusing to take it, Leighton is calling that a failure. I, I don't know. But either way, it wasn't the seven. They didn't seven seven him over the polygraph thing. They seven seven him saying, and by the way, seven seven is the section of the bylaws that allows the board of directors to remove another 
director or the president. This is the same bylaw that was used at the time unanimously to remove Mike Foley back in the August of 2021. So the thing that that they brought Scott up for is saying that this was disclosing confidential information in violation of the, the board's confidentiality policy. But if you read that policy, it's only one page, and the only, the only type of information it explicitly calls out is member information. So presumably names, email addresses, phone numbers, street addresses, that kind of thing. Everything else is it's these vague sort of statements like, the board members and directors of USPSA understand and agree that during their employment and or service, they may obtain information and documents which is confidential and or privileged and proprietary in nature, and which must be kept confidential both during and after their term of employment or service. So how do you know? Is a given email confidential or not? Well, their interpretation is anything they don't want shared is confidential, and so they can bring you up on 7-7 for it, which, I mean, at what point is the podcast that I've already recorded where I go into more detail about the board meeting, the, the November one, this December one, the, the podcast that, that Scott released talking about the, the board meetings where they were having, where they, he was talking about things that were in the board meeting that were not was that confidential? Where's the line? And so they decided that this email, which contained no proprietary or strategic information, it was literally one paragraph where Bruce Wells just said, Matt Hopkins should be investigated and suspended, which is kind of an odd thing to say. Like, why investigate someone if you already know that he should be suspended? Just just suspend him. No, don't, don't even bother with the, the cover story of an investigation. Just suspend them. But when you say, yeah, someone should be, you know, put on trial and found guilty, skip the trial. You've made your decision. But this this email that Bruce sent where the only conceivable member information was Matt Hopkins name and the fact that Matt Hopkins is a member of USPSA is not in any way confidential or secret. So this is what they said was was confidential. Be that as it may, whether whether that's valid grounds to call the 7-7 vote or not, they then did. Now, the bylaw says, bylaw 7-7 says that for a director to be removed requires a three-fourths majority of the board of directors. Now, there are nine seats on the board, three-fourths of that is seven. So you need seven yes votes to remove someone. And the bylaw also says the person being voted on can't vote. So basically, there are, there are eight votes in play and they need seven of them to be yeses. Except in this case, because Bruce Gary resigned last week, there were only seven people voting. And so it would have had to be a unanimous vote to get seven yes votes. And Frank Rizzi voted no. They had six yeses and seven is required to, to kick someone out. Now they're going to say, or their obvious interpretation is, that the, the requirement is only three quarters of the voting members or of the members present. And there's language elsewhere in the bylaws that talk about the members present, but that's not what 7-7 says. It says a three-fourths affirmative vote of the entire board, and they didn't have that. So I think there's a pretty good case that this, this vote was invalid on its face. They needed seven yeses. They got six. Of course, this is not the first time that they have interpreted the bylaws in whatever way is favorable to them. The Obviously, most hypocritical example is from earlier this year when Yi Min was booted from president for not having his RO certification. But when it was found that Mel didn't have his, despite the plain text of the bylaw saying you are considered to have resigned immediately 
upon taking office, if you don't have the cert the certification, he was allowed a grace period in which to get the certification and stay on the board. So there's there's already this game being played where they just read into the bylaws whatever they want to get to the outcome that they want. So I'm sure their justification would be, well, we only need three-fourths of the voting members and three-fourths of eight is six. But that's not, or three-fourths of the present members or because there were only seven people actually voting. To me, that, that doesn't hold up. So they've removed Scott for, obviously because they, they wanted him gone and they knew that when the year turned over, they wouldn't, even with the full complement of the board, they wouldn't have enough votes to do it. And so here we are. This has caused quite a response from the membership. There were, there were rumors of it pretty much as soon as it happened. But once the minutes were posted, they were actually posted early this week, I guess, because, well, they, they wanted to get out in front of the rumors or who knows. But there's a, there's a pretty substantial backlash going on to this. And this is taking a few forms. In Area 3 in particular, where Scott was elected and by all reports, very well liked people who have actually interacted with him, which tends to be the people who are physically proximate to him. The people who've been to his area match, who've been to Iowa section matches that he's run, who've shot matches at, at his club, those people are strongly in favor of him. And most, if not all, Area 3 clubs and sections are dramatically boycotting USPSA. So dropping their state matches from a level two down to a level one. Some are being changed to be hit factor matches, so they're not even using the USPSA name. And I have to say, if a protest is going to be effective, I think the match directors are going to be the linchpin of it. As much as I hate to say it, individual shooters boycotting, I mean, certainly if you just let your membership run out and don't renew and and don't send a, the board any kind of protest or ask to, to, to formally be removed early or anything like that, then you just appear to be part of the six to 7,000 USPSA members that churn every year. And so that, as a form of protest, it's a pretty mild one and one that doesn't send much of a signal. It also takes a while to take effect. On the flip side, match directors immediately stopping submitting activities and classifiers and fees, that will show up very quickly. I mean, if you look at the the DME reports that are attached to the board minutes, he's showing numbers, you know, activities and classifiers and everything shot up to the the, the day that the that the board meeting is happening. They track these numbers very closely, and so if you have an entire club of, you know, let's say you get eighty shooters at your monthly match times twelve a year, and they, they just disappear, the the match at the match level is where this protest really starts stinging. And I think certainly within Area 3, we're going to be some seeing some of that. I'm hearing rumblings. We will see how many people actually follow through, right? Anytime there is some kind of internet outrage like this, like with the, the Mel Rodero thing where he was allowed to continue being on the board despite obviously and by the plain reading of the bylaws being ineligible, uh, it blew over. People, people at the individual level just... Either they make their decision and they disappear and they go off and they shoot something else. But if this is going to stick, if this is going to make a difference, this is this is how it's going to happen. And so it looks to me like if you're if you're a match director or if you're a shooter and you want to encourage your match director to, to take some action, there's there's really kind of three ways you can go forward. The first is you delay reaffiliating or you just choose not to reaffiliate. 
I actually wouldn't recommend that one uh, for reasons we'll get to. You can reaffiliate, pay whatever the, the annual affiliation fee is, but hold non-USPSA hit factor matches until such time as you're satisfied that USPSA is actually working for you and, and not the other way around. Or the third option is you just keep holding your, your USPSA matches and upload the, the classifiers and everything. But when the invoices come due, you just don't pay them. And I think I think the latter two definitely show more of a will definitely show up in the numbers, certainly. I mean, and any any dip in affiliated clubs or activities or, or matches being run or, or results being uploaded will definitely show up. But I, I think if I were match director, the route to take is keep holding USPSA matches but withhold your money, right? This is a protest. The idea is things need to change. Scott needs to be reinstated. This invalid vote needs to be wound back. And once that's done, USPSA will get its money. Because the problem is voting isn't working. If we vote a guy like Scott in and he goes to make a difference and the board can just band together and kick him out, not for actually materially working against the interest of, of USPSA, but simply for sharing information that is not covered in any clear way by the actual confidentiality policy, then, then voting doesn't matter. And so it comes down to, and the other problem with voting is most people, so you, you best case, you get to vote twice every four years, once for president, once for area director. That's a pretty slow cycle to have your voice heard where every time you shoot a match, Every time you as a match director hold a match and send fees to headquarters, that's a vote. You're saying, I'm fine with the way things are. I'm going to keep supporting it. And so my goal here is not to starve USPSA permanently. My goal is to temporarily send a message that things need to change. And when this all blows over and Scott is reinstated and the guys who, particularly Ted and Bruce Wells, who made sure to ram this through at their last meeting. Well, we'll see if it's their last meeting. There's talk about them holding another special meeting. So having two, <laughs> a total of three meetings, including two special meetings in the month of December, just to ram through stuff that they wanted to get done before the board turned over. If they have another special meeting, they know what they're doing. They are trying to squeeze this stuff in before the board turns over. And the goal here is to send a message to USPSA, not that we want people to go to another sport. If you want to go shoot PCSL instead, that, that's fine, but I don't think that's the solution. I think the goal, and obviously I feel this way because I ran for office and I think USPSA can be fixed from the inside, but we've got to wind this back. We've got to undo this. This was a, a, a vote that was against the bylaws and against the idea of USPSA as a membership-led organization where the directors work for the members. That is the idea that you would kick somebody out for what Scott has been doing while allowing people like Mel to stay on the board is completely absurd. So this vote is procedurally wrong and it's morally wrong and it has to be walked back. We need to get this organization back on track fast. And so the goal is not to starve USPSA of income because yes, we will need the match fees and the, the activity fees. They will, they will certainly be a part of keeping the organization going while we improve things. So the goal is not to chase people away from the sport to, to reduce at the end of the year, the amount of funding unless things don't change. The idea is to send a message. If 
if the existing board members in the nine days that they have left before the end of the year hold some kind of special meeting and try and ram through even more bad changes that this is a this this a message has to be sent that that is unacceptable and the members have to act and again I, I would like to say that a, a membership boycott at the member level is effective, but we've seen people slowly not renewing their memberships, not affiliating, and it doesn't seem to be slowing these guys down very much. But if we start seeing matches either not submitting results, not submitting classifiers, or submitting them and refusing to pay, that'll start showing up real quick. At the local level as a member, I think what you can do if you're not a match director, be public, talk about this, share Anything you're seeing, whether it's this podcast, other posts, talk about what's going on and the fact that they have decided that they can just kick out somebody for this overly broad, completely vague, selective enforcement of this confidentiality policy, all while they share whatever they want with their buddies. And email the board, board at USPSA.org. They don't get as many emails to that alias, from what I'm told, as you would think. For as much as people... Now, maybe this one's going to set a new high watermark, but with things like the the membership dues increase where they did back down on that one, they did give, now, not fully, they only gave people a grace period to renew or upgrade. They did back down. There was a response and the members were heard. And that board alias A, it doesn't just go, now know this, it doesn't just go to the eight area directors and the president. It does go to the other employee members of the board, but good. They need to hear that the members are not behind this and this has got to stop. Because if they don't, if this does keep up, I, I think this is the inflection point. This might be the point where clubs start disaffiliating, not running matches, and and actively we see people going outlaw. We see people going to another sport. We might see you know some other offshoot sport start up. I don't know, but take action as an individual, have your voice heard. There is a change.org petition out there that you can sign. I think it's getting close to something like 500 signatures as I'm recording this. I don't have a problem with that, but don't stop there. A number is easy to discount. Write an email to the board, give your background, make a reasoned case why this is wrong. Use your own words. Talk to your local match directors, ask them what they're going to do, encourage them, say that the shooters will support a boycott because a message has to be sent. You don't have to disaffiliate. In fact, I, my recommendation to everybody who's asked me is keep your affiliation, keep running matches, but just don't pay. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want your name associated with USPSA while this is going on, that's fine. Keep your affiliation, just keep, pay the fee, stay on the books, run your outlaw match. You'll have time. Assuming things get resolved in the next few months, you'll have time in the rest of the year to, to run enough matches that you'll meet your affiliation agreement. I think the minimum is something like seven matches a year, four of which have to have classifiers, something like that. You can run a few outlaw matches and just wait and see. See what the organization does. Plant your stake, say you're not going to take it, and see if they back down. And I say this as someone who I know will be joining the board in a little over a week. But I see the need for, as, as someone who is going to have to fight for this in these board meetings, 
the more ammunition, the more we can point and say, this isn't just people on the internet. These are actual match directors making this choice, making this change and showing their disapproval with their dollars, the stronger the case becomes. So that's my recommendation. Dig into the minutes, ask questions and let the board know where you stand. And if you think that that kicking Scott out over this was was right, write an email about that too. Write him an email of support. Let him see for every you know X emails objecting to this, we get Y in support. Let him see that ratio. I, I, I genuinely, I am expressing my opinion, my perspective on things. I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but I do think that, that this, from where I'm sitting, this is my view and this is what I'll fight for. So that's, that's where we go from here, but make your voice heard and talk to your, talk to your local shooters, talk to your local match directors, figure out what you're going to do. I don't see this. I mean, either way this goes, I don't see it lasting more than a few months. Either the board will fold or they'll sweep everything under the rug and Scott will be gone and they'll just put someone else in his place. And at that point, I think the future of USPSA gets a lot murkier and you can readjust then. I encourage clubs who are at the crossroads right now not to make any permanent decision. That's why I'm saying to reaffiliate. But give yourself a little time for January, February, until until things change. Just keep a holding pattern. Send a message. Keep a holding pattern. Make your voice heard. And we'll see where it goes from here. And obviously, feel free to, to CC my email I'm, or send me an email if you have any questions or you want to get my perspective on things. I'm, I'm here. I'm an open book. I have nothing to hide. And I think we as the board work for you as the members and we need to remember that and we need to start doing a better job of it. Well, that wraps up this episode of short course. My email is ben at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.